live from the District of Columbia. You are listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast, a weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips black fundraisers to excel and positively impact black communities. With your host, Kia Kroon. Good day, good people. I'm back like I never left. It's your girl, Kia Kroon, host of the 100 Black Fundraisers Strat Talks, your weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips black fundraisers to positively impact black communities. Thanks for tuning in. And if you like what you're hearing, Go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that you can keep up with me as I move about these internet streets with topics curated just for your listening pleasure. Good people, I'm curious about something. And I want to poll to get your insights. I want to know how many Black fundraisers do I have listening who aspire to work in a nonprofit executive leadership role such as that of a chief development officer. Perhaps you work in fund development and fundraising in some function or another. For instance, maybe you are working as a development manager or a development director. You might even be working as a major gifts officer. For those listeners who do not work in a development capacity and may not be familiar with the functions or the legal, let me put it to you this way. The chief development officer oversees a nonprofit organization's financial health, and he or she is responsible for all fundraising activities, which we call resource development including major gifts, grants, donor stewardship, strategic partnerships, digital marketing, and more. He or she drives the organization's fund development strategy to essentially bring in all the revenue the agency needs in order to operate. This job is not for the faint at heart, and it really brings to my mind an old saying, it's a tough job, but Somebody's got to do it. And according to research from Zipia, somebody else is definitely doing the job because Black male and females employed as chief development officers account for just 8.3% of their survey sample. Their research suggests that over 75% of chief development officers are white men over the age of 45. Their research underscores the racial leadership gap that we know exists in nonprofits. And the diversity or lack thereof is just as serious an issue in the nonprofit sector as it is in many private sector institutions where there's a dearth of Blacks at the C-suite level. And I'm not here for that. Why? Because representation matters And we know that representation drives lasting and real change. Our lived experiences, our diversity and thought springs forth bold new ideas and solutions to social issues. With there being so many black communities across the nation right now that need solutions, they need our voices and our leadership. And I'm here to tell you, there's a vanguard of black nonprofit professionals like myself that are working to change this paradigm. 
It's like Jay-Z said in the remix to Fat Joe and Remy Ma's song, All the Way Up. The OGs say, Hove, how high is high enough? I said till we eye to eye with the higher ups. That's how I look at it. We need Blacks in the C-suite level within nonprofit organizations. And make no mistake about it, similar to the movement to increase Black representation in STEM and in the corporate sector, there's a movement to melanate the C-suite as well. Wait a minute. See how I just did that? Melanate, I like that. But seriously, to increase Black representation within the nonprofit C-suite. And I'm committed to doing my part to help drive that effort. And I've made a personal commitment to engaging, coaching, and professionally developing 10,000 Black fundraisers over the next 10 years. And I'm here to tell you, we're coming for the C-suite, we're coming to the cookout, and we're bringing our best authentic selves. So the C-suite better get ready for us. With that, I'm super excited to introduce today's special guest on the Black Fundraisers podcast. Her name is Diana Campbell, and y'all, this sister is bad to the bone, a truly dope sister who's kicked some holes in the nonprofit proverbial glass ceiling, having worked as a chief development officer and a vice president of development for national organizations like the National Council on Aging, the Alliance for a Healthier Generation, Points of Light, and many more. She's raised over $100 million in program support for these and some other great charitable causes. Diana is stopping by the Black Fundraisers podcast to share her journey and what she thinks it's going to take to increase Black representation within the nonprofit C-suite. And she's going to dish on her latest venture, which is entrepreneurship. You know how we do it on the Black Fundraisers podcast, so let's get to it. Diana, I'm so glad to have you. Welcome to the Black Fundraisers podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm thrilled with the platform. Absolutely. Much needed a long time ago. So thank you, Kia, for taking leadership to put this together because this is so needed. Thank you. Well, this is our podcast. So, you know, this is this is an Akia for this is this is our podcast, yours, mine, and the good people listening. I want to jump right in. I spent some time talking to the good people listening and told them how dope you are. Just so you know, a little earlier, I spent some time talking about the racial leadership gap in nonprofits and the ramifications of it. And you have been a highly successful nonprofit executive at the vice president, chief development level. And you've had the pleasure of leading some national organizations. And I don't know if you're aware but according to research from Zipia, which is something akin to a glass door, one of those sites, you are among the 8.3% of black chief development officers across the nation. Don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. When you sent that to me and before, I was just like, that's no way. And I got into this space um, ooh, uh, some 15 years ago, I was maybe 2%. 
And I'm like, we haven't grown that much in all these years. So I was shocked and disheartened, but I thought that this platform was even better because I'm like, how do we raise more people? How do, what's the plan? What's the process? How do you get there? Yeah. How do we move the needle? Um, While that 8% is negligible and leaves a lot to be desired, I do want to nonetheless take a minute and celebrate you because it takes grit and determination to be the minority, to rise to the occasion, to fight through a lot of challenges that are beneath that, that are not spoken about. And I feel like you can brush your shoulders off on that a little bit and flip your hair, whatever you want to do, because that is a remarkable achievement. But it does underscore that we've got a long way to go. Right. My first question to you is, what do you think it'll take to increase the number of black women and black men employed at the chief development officer VP level? Well, before Black Lives Matter. I would have given you a very long soliloquy about positioning with key thought leaders, creating internal champions, board champions, adding cross value across the organization, developing widely adopted processes, mentoring, being mentored while exceeding goal year after year after year. Now, while all those are still true, the black voice has been lifted in a very different way due to Black Lives Matter and all the social injustice and political turmoil, especially 2020. So the time is different. And with that, the times goes funding. Our voice, the Black voice, is really needed now more than ever in any organization because organizations are looking at themselves differently, like being accountable to partners differently, or having to create like internal processes that meet new requirements that donors are are putting on us. Donors are asking for organizations to be woke, though they might not even know what that means. They're asking for it. And that means having processes, programs, uh, procedures in place that target minority and underserved populations. And as we know, it's not necessarily one and the same, though they can be. So with that, I would say really the time is now. You know, COVID made all people, but especially people of color take inventory. Inventory of social systems and government and philanthropy and diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is actually a real thing now and not something that's on a piece of paper, and our leadership. So Blacks in fundraising have an advantage. And if you're thinking, well, I don't really have an advantage, you know, I'm just, you know, um, uh, 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 a manager or a director. If you have empathy and passion for a situation, it gives you an advantage. It's really just time to activate it. And the time is now. I agree with you. The time is now. And you touched on quite a few really important topics of discussion these days, which there are discussions around the need for empathy at the leadership level and how important our lived experiences are, right? I have conversations with people all of the time and I'm very transparent about the fact that, okay, I've been in organizations where I didn't necessarily have a PhD and I wasn't at the top tier in the C-suite, but my lived experience and my educational experience, because a sister does, is degreed up. Like, let's be clear, because (laughs) as black women, we know that we got to tool up and to level up you know, just Mm -hmm. to be competitive. So we take that very seriously. 
but our empathy, our lived experience for people listening who might not know how important those are, those are really, really key. And it does give you that advantage. Thank you for pointing that out to our listener, that they do have that advantage. Absolutely. Unlike any other audience, you know, they're calling on us and looking at us and asking different questions. We're there to now educate. I'm in countless places all over the country or whenever I do travel and having really hardcore conversations about why and what and what does it mean and what does Black Lives Matter? Well, what's this about anyway? And it's really incumbent upon all of us to educate the masses. But within fundraising, we have a voice that can be activated in organizations, with partners, with donors, and they want to hear our voice. So this is the time for positioning, not only with donors, but within the organization to create that systemic change. Talking to you, Diana, reminds me of a conversation that I had with a major gift prospect. And this was a, this is a white woman who is onward. So she's more or less in her late fifties or sixties and very candid conversation. And she said to me, you know what, Kia, I want you to know that as a grant maker, I'm attending all of these philanthropy conferences and in these discussions with other grantors and executives, Kia, you and young people like you, this next generation of nonprofit leaders, you have advantages. She said you can engage and activate the white male executive that's over the age of 55, right? Because we know, I know just like you know, that's been a good old boys club. She's saying that we have the ability to make inroads with those high worth donors in a way that the good old boy club, you know, yeah, you might've been in the good old boy club, but in terms of like activating that compassion and compelling a person to move, in the interest of making impact. She believed that we do have that advantage. She would be in full agreement with you and we need to be heard. That was her feedback to me. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. You know, every conference in philanthropy that I've attended over the last year, every single one of them had diversity, equity, and inclusion and funding underserved audiences as their core. Every single one of them. Yet many nonprofits aren't necessarily equipped to do that. They might already do it, but it's not a core of what they're doing. So how do nonprofits then look internally to say, what should we be doing differently? What, who should we be hiring differently? Who's not at the leadership table that should be at the leadership table to make sure that we're hearing differently? Because if you don't see it, you don't know it. You don't necessarily have empathy for it. So organizations are taking man, woman in the mirror looks to say, we need to figure out something because the funding world is dictating differently. Unlike any other time I've seen in history where the funding world is asking and moving organizations to change how they work. I see that too. I see the funders. I see this shift. I even see a willingness to fund innovation. Absolutely. Even if it comes in the form of a more nascent organization 
that doesn't have that tenure and necessarily track record. Like people are being radical right now and willing to take risks. Absolutely. Lots of wisdom that you're sharing. For Black fundraisers listening, perhaps they're working as development managers or development directors who want to level up and possibly become a CDO, a chief development officer, or any role in the nonprofit C-suite, what kinds of skills and competencies should they spend time honing in on? Well, the first is your intention. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And what are you willing to do to get it done? So they say, well, I want this, I want that. I always say, well, why? You know, what's your why? Is it to have more influence? Is it to have more impact? Is it just to have more money, more responsibility? So kind of know yourself first before you even kind of jump into this world. But the rest is chess playing, chess playing on positioning. (laughs) So all the things I mentioned before, doing this and creating value and cross-functional this and getting champions on and on, those are all very true. But you must position in a multitude of ways. So take those things that I said before, swirl them around, pick what works for you, uh, but you have to start positioning. And you position internally first uh, by playing the people's champion game, something that's been played for centuries. And this will either manifest internally by you getting a promotion or an increase or externally for your next position. So the people's champion game is, is pretty simple. It's creating allies to make the case for you. Asking meetings with the C-suite or influential people in your organization to hear their perspective on a topic, X, Y, Z, pick it, uh, trends in aging, healthcare reform, sustainable food sources, whatever it is. Or one of my personal favorites is asking a specific question to get their insights to help you position a change strategy. For instance, Ms. Rodriguez, What do you think is our unique value uh, as donors are more inclined to fund organizations that have proven metrics in reaching underserved minority XYZ? You also can develop some insights and trends to share with them so that, again, you're providing mutual benefit in these meetings. So two things happen. People talk about themselves, and we all know people love to talk about themselves, but be interested actually take notes. People love when you take notes of what what they're talking about. And on the other side, you're offering new insights to expand their knowledge on a topic. Additionally, if you have a relationship with your current CDO, um, that is a good way forward. True leaders build leaders. And every organization I've ever worked in, I always come in asking the question, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? How can I get you there? Because it is my job if you're a manager to make you a director, a director, a senior director, and the next one is positioning you to take over when I leave. That is my job. However, you already know kind of in your organization if you have that with your CDO or not. Another key decision maker is a CEO. They can be one of your biggest champions for change. I would say that during the Black Lives Movement, the color of our skin actually became an asset to harness. Though it feels weird for people to look at you, you know, for all things black, brown, and woke, but it is an opportunity to shine by having a thoughtful voice in the how organization is changing and becoming. 
So you might be asked to sit on a newly formed committee or you recommend a new cross-functional committee based on new ways donors are funding underserved minority programs. You may create a new thought leadership platform showcasing statistics and analytics and data and trends and impact stories and a call to action. Funders love it and it's highly fundable. You can bring new voices to the table and your voice is heard. These are leadership tactics that the organization sees you doing differently. So the true question is, how are you looking at this time in American history to set you apart? What different education programs? I'm currently enrolled in Cornell's diversity um, and inclusion class, trying to add more tools to my toolkit. So what are you going to do to activate differently? Note, <laughs> regardless of what you do, it will either benefit you in the organization that you're in with a promotion or a monetary increase or somewhere else. Everybody loves initiative. So either in-house or out-of-house, it's chess game on positioning. You said something really, really interesting. You said a lot of interesting things and, and provided what I see as a valuable blueprint for a person to begin that level up, that glow up, right? You've given some real game here. What I want to call out is the fact that you spoke to the importance of the internal stakeholders where you are. Absolutely. You may not want to necessarily be where you are. You may want to. You may see a viable career path where you are. There are people listening who love their work, their employers, and love the work that they're doing, right? Gaining that, uh, having that engagement with those internal stakeholders and envisioning and embracing your professional development journey where you are. There's this quote that I had on my um, cube or my, in my office that says, grow where you're planted, right? When you can grow where you're planted, and I'm a proponent of that, and if you can't grow where you're planted, right, you've tried that, you've envisioned yourself as this, you know, on the move leader. If you got to unpot that plan and go bloom someplace else, so be it. But just embracing that journey and being strategic about it, I think that that is remarkably valuable, what you just shared with the good people listening. And I would also add that, you know, being a CDO and a woman of color, I make no qualms that it's been a lonely journey, you know, always having to keep face and what I call put your lipstick on. And that means that all those times that you're not quite uh, accepted or the words or this or, you know, you're judged differently, no matter what, you keep moving because of your internal passion to do what's right, your internal passion to level up to the next level that you are going towards. So, yes, it has not, <laughs> it has not been an easy journey many, many, many times. But I'm committed to the mission and I'm committed to the journey and I'm committed to hope and building and impact. And so and, and I give grace. I just say, well, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe we just have, need to have another conversation. Maybe we can sit down for coffee or tea and just work this out differently. I bring that intention because you will get some feedback that you might not want to hear. But how do you level up with conversations with people? So keep that in mind as well. 
Absolutely. So I want to dive into your latest entrepreneurial journey. Talk to the good people listening about DICAM Strategic Solutions, LLC. Well, thank you for asking, Kia. So I am um, pretty much started my uh, consulting firm well, about two months ago. I actually launched uh, my website on International Women's Day. And uh, really, it's really focused on developing high-impact relationships, whether it's with corporations, philanthropic organizations, you know, the, the hope is to bring nonprofits and for-profits together in order to create sustainable systems change that provide hope for people. And I'm taking my 20 plus years of working in a variety of fields uh, with older adults and youth and health and STEM and environmental, on and on, and really looking at the landscape of how do we optimize partnerships differently? Not to toot myself on the horn, but I have about a one in three return ratio. For every three proposals I write, I usually get one. I don't have the one in 10 or one in 15. And it's because I take a very strategic approach in what I do called the three yeses. And that's a whole nother workshop. And that's how do you build on the front end so that you make sure that that proposal, and even if it's not accepted at that amount, it might be accepted at a different amount, is turns into a yes. So I've taken, you know, my experience in partnership development, fundraising, consulting, and plan development and leadership, and created a new consulting company that I'm happy about uh, called DICAM Strategic Solutions, uh, www.dicampsolutions.com. And, you know, really it's, it's how do you, you know, for the partnership development, you know, taking an idea, you know, whether you're a nonprofit and you're looking for uh, a funding partner. You know, who are the unlikely bed partners that you might want to consider? Or you're an investor and you want to make sure that your investment in that dollar really is used the way you want it to do or what you want it for. Or fundraising, consulting, and plan development. It, I have a lot of proven models in this space, a lot of process and rubric and, and, and trainings and how to get to those three yeses and why my return rate is so high. So how do you train, you know, on development teams in order to produce higher results? And then at the end of the day, a lot of organizations really struggle on the leadership level. And it's not that the fundraising team, it can't do what they want to do. It's the leadership that has the challenges, the operations that have the challenges. So how do I look at an organization, kind of unpack what they're doing and how they're doing it, whether it's, you know, needs a new strategic plan or they need process re-engineering or operations around how they do cross-functional ideations and such all the way through board um, acquisition and training. So I've taken all my skill sets for the last 20 plus years and kind of put them into three different areas that I'm excited about. As I said, I launched uh, in January, you know, on paper, and then my website launched, you know, International Women's Day. And my first client is um, a COVID clear app. <laughs> how how interesting that right now is that's one of the biggest things that's needed you know uh, a healthcare vaccination passport that's digital so that whole you know cdc card that you get mm, don't get that anymore i mean you will get that but it'll be transferred into a digital covid uh, covid cleared app called i'm clear to go and so that was my first client. And actually, after this uh, conversation, I have another uh, prospect meeting with an organization that wants to uh, frame out how the foundation is created. 
Um, so I'm, um, you know, talking to a variety of different partners and clients and seeing what I can do to help them uh, get to their goals. And again, it's all centered around providing hope, providing impact, and making sure that we leave this world a better place than we found it. I love that. I want to react to a couple of things that you said. Number one, I'm a proponent of talking about yourself and celebrating your accomplishments. So that return rate, that one out of three, toot your horn, toot, toot, toot away. I'm a proponent of sisters, particularly of of women, but particularly Black women lauding our accomplishments because so often, you know, we bask in, in humility, which make no mistake about it. I think that that's a really beautiful quality to have. But I think that we owe it to ourselves to toot that horn a little bit and talk about our accomplishments and why we're so good at what we do, right? So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I'm just sitting here wanting to pinch myself. I was reading an article just the other day that talked about the rate in which Black women are launching businesses, a rate of twice that of any other group, right? We're pulling it out. Yeah. See a need, you got a niche, you go for it. So that is a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. And I have no doubt based on what I know of you that it's about to go down. So I want to shift gears here. You know how we do at the Black Fundraisers podcast. We are all about self-care. We encourage it. What are you doing for self-care these days in the COVID pandemic? I would say early in COVID, my self-care was my monthly shipment of wine, definitely. And then, you know, the pounds (laughs) added up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I did not want to gain the COVID-19. I actually (laughs) went to lose the COVID-19. Hello. And uh, so then I went into, you know, communing with nature. My absolute favorite thing in the world is communing with nature, being outdoors, going for a walk, going for a drive, getting out and going for a walk, going on a trail, something that brings my soul back down. Because as development professionals, we run on a different vibration than the rest of the organization. The the pressures and the passions that we have are just fueling a lot of stress. And coupled with you know, are we going to meet goal and do we need to change this and trying to be different for different partners all of a sudden? So our stress level is higher. Um, I also practice a lot of breathing. I literally blow that out because there's so much coming at us. Put my feet square on the ground, my hands on my knees, close my eyes and just take three, calm my spirit before I take a call so that I'm grounded and not flustered. So how do I just kind of balance the energy is with nature. I sing. So I'll start singing. I take a nice walk and breathe. That, that, those are my go-tos. And of course, still some wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of wine. We know that one of that was the first miracle. Ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of nothing wine. Wrong, nothing wrong. Mm-mm. <laughs> I want to ask you this. Um, what's What are you listening to? What's on your playlist these days? So by day, because um, it is Lent and it's a lot of gospel because, you know, I got to pray three times a day. 
But normally it's anything from Gato Barbieri to Megan the uh, the Stallion. I mean, I love everything and all in between. I'll listen to some jazz, some Coltrane to kind of get my Sundays, you know, differently after church. And then, you know, I have Friday night dance party with my mom and my niece sometimes, and we just crank all kind of ratchet, ratchet music. And then I learn all kind of wonderful little dance moves. So <laughs> again, trying to keep physically fit. The hey. same. But yeah, I have a wide variety of things that I listen to. I do too. I'm a, and people laugh about it because I'm an unabashed hip hop and rap music head. And I do listen to my trap music. And I've told people before, listen, there's this duality that I don't know if everybody has that duality. I, I see that a lot of us have that duality because of our upbringing. You know, some of that music was a soundtrack to my life and where I grew up. So yeah, I listen to, I'm a California girl. I listen to King. I do call him King Kendrick LeBar. Yes. I love Megan Thee Stallion and I'm super yes. proud of her yes. and her journey. I want to thank you for stopping by the Black Fundraisers podcast. Before we get out of here, how can people find more information out about DICAM and how can they connect with you on social media? Absolutely. So definitely go to my website, um, www.dicamdicamsolutions.com. There's actually an assessment form on there um, if you want to um, reach out to some of the uh, product offerings that I have and whether it's, you know, fundraising tactics or writing courses, you know, for teams, there's so many workshops that I have of why, you know, those three yeses equal one and three. So I've, uh, and, you know, got a, a consult next week for an organization looking for board governance. So I work in a variety of ways. Definitely look at the assessment tool. My number is there. Please reach out. Love to hear from you. Love it. Love it. Well, I want to thank the good people listening out there for tuning in. As I always say, you could be anywhere in the internet streets, but the fact that you took a moment out of your day to tune in with us here at the Black Fundraisers podcast, I'm thrilled. Keep listening. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to stop by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen and leave a review. Hit subscribe so you can keep up with me. As always, I want to encourage the good people listening Stay tuned, stay down, and keep your head up. Back at you next week. Thanks for listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Black Fundraisers Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and leave a five-star review. Connect with Kia on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter to stay connected.